nothing great was ever done by a single person. Apple didn't become a, you know, a trillion dollar plus company that it is today with just Steve Jobs' idea by himself. It was a team of great people and great vision coming together. And that's what I think the spirit of partnership is. And I just want everyone listening to this now and in the future to know that partnership is so key and incredible to building that network that we set. Select CT. What's up, world? This is the Select CT podcast, where we talk about the digital media landscape in Connecticut and what it means for young people who want to get into the industry. I'm David DeRoche. I run the podcast program at Quinnipiac University, and this podcast is a partnership between Quinnipiac, University of Connecticut, and Digital Media Connecticut, which is a collaborative of Connecticut institutions of higher education working to support a talent pipeline in digital media and content production. With us today are David Salinas and Pete Senna. David is founder and tech incubator of co-working space in New Haven called The District. He also co-founded a marketing company called Digital Surgeons, which has done work for Lady Gaga, United Technologies, and many others. He also mentors at the Yale Entrepreneurial Institute that works to develop startups, and he serves on the Connecticut Innovation Council for U.S. Senator Chris Murphy. David's a busy guy, so thanks, David, for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, thank you for having me, David. And lucky for us, the other co-founder of Digital Surgeons is also here with us, Pete Senna. Pete is currently CEO and Chief Creative Officer of Digital Surgeons, and he, he also mentors students at the Yale Entrepreneurial Institute. Pete, thanks so much for joining us on the Select CT podcast. Thanks so much. Good to be here, David. So Pete, tell us quickly uh, exactly what it is that Digital Surgeons does. I mean, what kind of company is it? My, my understanding is it that you started it in your dorm room. I absolutely did. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually excited to announce uh, this week I was actually named uh, Entrepreneur in Residence at UConn's Technology Incubation Program. And I oh, actually started Digital Surgeons. Thanks so much. Yeah, I'm super excited for that. It's uh, being a UConn alumni myself, you know, knowing that a lot of the folks that are going to listen to this are students. You know, I started the company in my UConn dorm room and I never would have thought that, you know, 14 plus years later, I, I would be able to accomplish the things that, that I did. And I think it really comes down to just starting with a vision in your dorm room and, you know, being able to get great people around you, like in this case, Dave Salinas. So uh, just uh, super excited to be here today and talk how I can help inspire other students to just take action on the things that might be already running through their heads. So what was your vision for digital surgeons and how long did it take you to make that a thing, a real thing? It's a really good question, David. From the time I was a little kid, I was really always fascinated with just creativity in general. So I was always the kid that would take things apart and put them back together. Um, I was sort of get, got into programming and coding when I was really, really young. And I just had this really big curiosity and passion for um, how could design and technology kind of come together. And I think even before I knew lots of the vernacular and the buzzwords that I live in today, um, I always just wanted to do something with that. So, you know, when I was a little kid, I thought, you know, I wanted to be a game designer because, you know, at that time I was just playing video games all day, like most kids and, and really wondering like, how are these things made and, and how can I maybe make these things one day? And that's sort of where the journey really started. So I think from the time I was really young, I always had this idea of making things uh, for, for people, uh, whether they be games or campaigns or whatever it was. And then just the more you start to learn about it and the more you get to explore different things, the more that vision really coalesced over time. Uh, so that's really where it was originally born. But it wasn't until I was at UConn and having the the pleasure of working with a lot of really interesting companies like ESPN and some other things that I really understood that there was a, a real need in the world for how design and technology could come together. And, you know, then I got, I discovered this thing called marketing, which um, I didn't really know what that was besides a buzzword. And I realized I could put those talents to use and really do something interesting with it. And that's really where the vision, I think, started to really come together. 
And obviously, it's been continuing to evolve and shape over time. So that's really where it came from. I hope that uh, answers the question. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, David, tell us how you got connected to Pete. My understanding is you went to the University of Bridgeport, so you were you were not exactly close geographically, but how did you uh, get connected to Pete and help him with digital surgeons? So after I graduated for from the University of Bridgeport, I went to work for a uh, digital marketing, uh, specifically a search engine marketing firm in New Haven, Connecticut. And um, I was involved in uh, other entrepreneurial efforts and hobbies and trying to get things off the ground. One of the things that I was trying to get off the ground was a, uh, a music studio and a music business because uh, I had a deep passion for uh, the art of music. And my engineer had said to me that I had to meet this gentleman named Pete, who was a wizard with computers. And he thought that we did the same thing because Pete was doing graphic design, web design, and interactive design, uh, that it made sense for us to meet since I was doing search engine marketing, uh, organic uh, SEO, and paid, paid search marketing. So the two of us got connected. It just so happened that we sort of ran in two different segments of the business in, in, in two different segments of business. I was on the influencing sales strategic side. Pete was on the strategic creative and, and production side. Uh, and together we sort of, um, thought that it would make be a, a good match. We started with a relationship that just really was about networking and referrals and passing each other different types of business. Um, and then it blossomed into, uh, a vision and dreaming and becoming friends and 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 that turned into this concept that hey what if we put the two pieces together and and actually took a run for it and and tried to build something and uh, and that that's that's how it all started and it seems like you all complementing each other in that way is a piece of the puzzle right like I know for a lot of creative people who might want to start their own business the business side of things might be intimidating or for people who are really into the business side of stuff maybe they don't have necessarily an idea that's that they want to pursue um, for a business so you know I, I'm wondering uh, you know do you encourage people to seek out partners that complement them in that way or are there examples of people doing both or is that just that seems kind of hard I don't know Pete I'll start with you on that one. Yeah, I know that's a, I really love that question, David. So the first thing I want to say is one of the first things that Dave said to me, I remember this, you know, Dave is, has these incredible sound bites that he's just, you know, perfected over time. One of the things he said to me, and I want everyone on this podcast to really hear it is the first thing he said, I think we were at the gym at the time. He said, Pete, you know, one thing you have to understand is that your network is your net worth. And at that time, I had no idea what that meant because I was just a kid who loved playing with computers and doing all the fun stuff that Dave was saying before. But really, when we think about what a network is, right, a network is a group or a system of interconnected things, right? Things being people or relationships or that sort of thing. So I think one of the, the biggest life lessons that I, that I learned from Dave and that I, I practice still to this day, and I tell everyone that I'm mentoring to do the same, is really understand the network of things. Dave will talk a little bit about what he calls the yin and yang of partnership, which I think uh, the students will love to hear. So I'll let Dave speak on that because it's his concept. But when I think about that network, you know, really the idea that Dave and I coming together was two plus two equaling five, right? So the amplification efforts that came together when we started working together was really where I was weak, he was strong. And where he was weak, I was strong. And I think less of thinking of it as strengths and weaknesses, but more thinking of it as like uh, skill sets and passions, right? So I think that uh, why we see a lot of the startups and ventures 
um, really being based is that you can't do everything by yourself. You need a partnership. You need that interconnection. And it's so, so important um, at the onset of uh, your career or you're starting a business to be able to have those interconnections. And I think that's where the true strength of partnership comes together and can really make for amazing and incredible things. And I have to say, you know, for those of you that might be listening to this, trying to go off on your alone, it's not to say that you can't do things alone, but nothing great was ever done by a single person. You know, Apple didn't become, you know, a trillion dollar plus company that it is today with just Steve Jobs idea by himself. It was a, it was a team of great people and great vision coming together. And that's what I think the spirit of partnership is. And I just want everyone listening to this now and in the future to know that partnership is so key and incredible to building that network that we set. I think that Pete spoke eloquently about partnership. I think that if I could add anything of value is that partnership doesn't always mean um, that uh, two people that are going to be part owners of a company. I think partnership happens uh, when you seek out mentorship and when you seek out advisors, when you seek out partners that can amplify your business idea as well. So back to the network idea, um, I, I, I recently started to call myself a network engineer, which is really a technology term, but I use it in the, in the form of uh, relationships, understanding who can create that amplification, that two plus two equals five outside of your circles. Um, but going back to uh, partnership as it relates to ownership, I think it's important to understand the differences between one another. I think it's important to understand that you're not going to, uh, it's, that you shouldn't just completely rely on one another to, to fill all the gaps because that's it's very hard to do. It's an impossible task uh, that you really need to uh, focus on um, being empathetic to each other's weaknesses just as much as each other's strengths and being able to have that ability um, to realize that you're both, you know, trying to aim the, the the arrow in the same direction. You're both trying to be successful. You're both going to have different uh, bumps in the road. But as long as you can remain uh, humble in trying to grow who you are as a person, as long as you can remain humble in trying to uh, uh, remember that you're you're both human, that you guys can actually grow something and build something. You know, I think there's a lot in there that is valuable no matter what you're going to do. I mean, you know, it seems like we're a culture that doesn't really reward humility. But if you are going to engage in a, a partnership with somebody, you have to be honest with yourself, right? You have to tell yourself, okay, I'm not so good with this thing, but this other person is pretty good with this thing. I'll let them do that thing and I'll do the thing that I'm good at, right? I, I mean, we tend to to, to build a, up a culture of like, oh, you can do anything you want, right? And in some cases, people can. But some cases, it's just better to just be honest, right? Say like, you know, I'm not so good at this one thing. And I know for creatives, you know, I, I'm also sort of uh, more in Pete's camp. You know, it, it might be, um, you know, the whole idea of marketing your creativity might, you know, be icky or something like that. But you know, I think you have to think, uh, you know, if this is something you want to do, if you want to be creative, you have to figure out a way to live, right? You can, I mean, certainly you can, you know, live on the street and do your own thing if that's what you want to do. But if you want to have a life, right, and and you know, contribute to society, there, you know, you have to consider how the business end works or. If you're not interested in that, then you know find somebody who is. And I really love that you guys were able to find each other. Do you feel like that relationship is common? I mean, it, I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. What do you What do you guys think, uh, Pete? I'll start with you. No, I, I love that question. The thing I want to first say is that you said that that kind of struck a chord with me is is your comment about humility. 
You know, David, I, I'm a firm believer. I don't think humility and confidence are mutually exclusive in a lot of ways. I think that um, you can be confident and proud of, of what you're doing and passionate, but also have a, a sense of humility. Like I, I would say that um, when I look at some of the greatest leaders that are leading some of the largest and most successful companies in the world, while many of them might have large uh, personalities and, and be seemingly uh, confident and, and in some cases strike the chord of maybe even a bit of ego, I would also say that many of the greatest leaders are also have a very, very, very high sense of humility. So when I think about creatives or anyone looking to start a business or be successful as an entrepreneur inside a company, I think we need entrepreneurs now as much as we need entrepreneurs to, to drive growth in companies. I think being confident and passionate and articulating what you do and what's unique and different about you, I always say what makes you different and what makes you better. Um, so when I look at that, I do think that it's really uncommon today to see great partnerships forge. And I think a lot of that has to do with just bad modeling that we're seeing out there. You know, the the proverbial Don Draper that's cast as the, you know, one man or woman band that that can do it all. I think that sort of and, and certainly what we've seen in, in politics and other kind of public figures, I think that that definitely can skew people to feeling like, you know, being the the starving artist or the purest creative, whether it's a musician, entertainer, or business professional, I do think that you can bring about a level of confidence and humility at the same time. Um, but to your, answer your question more specifically, I do think that that is rare today to find partnerships that really thrive and go the distance because they're hard. And and any great partnership, uh, whether it be a marriage or a business partnership or a collaboration between people in an organization, I think that partnerships create strife and create challenges. But from challenges, you know, great things can be born. So that's what I would look at. I would definitely say, you know, Dave and I have had some of the highest highs and lowest lows together. I think the difference between he and I and our partnership and many other partnerships that fail or succeed really comes down to when you do have that failing, when you do have that conflict, what do you do about it? And that's just what I would say in terms of answering that question. Mm, yeah, definitely collaborating and working together. And I and I and to, yeah, to your point, it's the balance, right? It's 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 uh, understanding where you're good and being confident in that, but also recognizing where you might not be so good, and 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 being humble enough to to recognize that and be honest about that. Um, I just want to go back, Dave, real quick. You and Pete also said something, which you know maybe Pete, you described what it was, but I, I totally missed it. But it was this: you said something about um, two plus two equals five. Um, <laughs> could describe that philosophy. What, what are you trying to sort of get across with that statement, Dave? I'll go with you. So it, it's it's quite simple, right? It's 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 bad math, but it's bad math with a purpose. It's actually the ref, the reference to an amplification. If someone is, if someone lifts you up, if someone compliments you, um, if someone does something that if the if the math adds up to become something that is better in the future, right? So two plus two today is four, but two plus two tomorrow could be five or six, meaning that there's some type of amplification, there's some type of strength that's now turning you into um, a Megatron or a, a transformer, right? So now you've, you can together, um, you're both, your, your strengths actually complement each other and amplify them to a different degree and it can create a different level of success. So, you know, the Apple founders, Steve Jobs and Steve, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, you would, you know, A, you only hear about Jobs for the most part, but they amplified each other. Uh, Bill Gates and Paul Allen amplified each other. 
You know, people don't realize that Tesla had other founders and other partners when they started. Um, you know, th- those guys, they, th- that, that's, those are the, cr- that's the creation story. Those are the guys that make things happen. I think that it's this um, accelerant, it's, it's uh, rocket fuel. And that's why the number changes. That's why it's not basic. It's not correct math. Yeah. And I would just build on that, Dave, by saying the term that, so one of, one of my uh, great clients paid me the, the nicest compliment and, and it, it was such a great compliment and it struck with me for so many years that I've actually added it to my LinkedIn and the term is force multiplier. So to build on something for those that are a little bit more um, kind of academic with the way that they think about things, knowing that a lot of students will listen to this. So in military science, there's this term force multiplier. It kind of goes back to like, you know, Greek and Roman times. And essentially what it refers to is this idea of what are the different things that you can combine that gives people the ability to establish, you know, greater success. So the, the sum of all the parts being greater than the whole, right, in many cases. So I think in that case, it's like, how do you put two things together that create a catalyst? And then that catalyst creates a new sort of emerging behavior, right? So like hydrogen by itself and oxygen by itself, you know, are, are specific things. You put them in the right combination, the right order. Together, they create water, H2O, right? So it's just that idea of an explosive outcome. Peter Thiel, um, you know, investor in Facebook and, and really successful venture capitalist, talks about this in his book Zero to One, where he basically says, you know, going from zero to one, it, you know, moving, you know, incremental innovation versus exponential innovation is really made possible based on those combination factors. So again, that gets right back to that original thesis earlier around network and the ability to have connections. Uh, and bringing people together in uncanny ways. So just to, to add on that for some folks that might have a different learning style. It's really interesting to think about it in that way because, you know, obviously when we think about math, we think very, you know, logically, math is sort of the representation of logic, right? And so, you know, flipping it on its head like that is, is I think, useful exercise for people to just step outside their, their sort of um, way of thinking and sort of imagine what that means. And I, I really like that. So uh, we only got a couple of minutes left, but I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk a little bit about digital media entrepreneurism. Um, Pete, let's start with you. In the digital media space in Connecticut, what sort of opportunities do you think there are for students who want to get into that space? What sort of challenges uh, should they expect? Yeah, well, I think the irrespective of what industry you try to get into, I think you're going to experience a number of challenges right now. And that was even before you know COVID-19. I think right now, with the knowledge economy that we live in, Anyone can learn anything, you know, using platforms like Skillshare or YouTube or just sort of self-applied learning. I think the ability to learn skills now is easier than ever before. So I think that essentially the the spoils will go to the, you know, the spoils will go to the victor that ultimately dig in and do the work, right? So I'm a huge fan of Angela Duckworth's work around grit and just this idea of those who dive in and really learn all the things and take advantage of the opportunities. You know, I can't tell you the number of times I'm on a podcast like this one. And I say, if anyone wants to connect with me, feel free to shoot me an email. And I get like one person. And generally the thing that that person is that emails me, that's the person that I want to hire because they've got the tenacity and the resilience to sort of take things forward. Because you know, I, I don't want to talk about hustle culture or hustle porn, because there's a lot of that right now where people are talking about and kind of knocking, working too hard. Um, I do think that Making sure now from an opportunity perspective, any young person coming out of school, they've got a clean slate. I think what what employers like like us, and we have, David and I own a number of different businesses, what we're looking for is someone who has the right attitude 
to succeed, someone who's passionate about something and is able to self-learn and in their own way, add value. And I think the only way to add value is by continuously exploring and taking advantage of the opportunities that are around you. So, you know, if a student's coming from a digital media background, just to use your example, David, what I would say is making sure that they understand all the different pieces that go into the digital media landscape. That's really important. So in digital media, obviously, what is media? Media is content. Media is advertising. Media is marketing. Media is technology. Media is uh, design. There's a number of different pieces that make up media. Media is data. So being able to have a some type of a point of view or a passion on these topics, I think it, it approaches no matter what you learn in school right now or what you're learning in your current employer I, or business that you're starting, I think the idea is what we're looking for is people who have that attitude of aptitude. I like to hire for the personality and the, the sort of profile on the person and then train for skills. Skills in the world we live in today, skills are coming and going. The jobs that will happen tomorrow are very, very different than the jobs that are happening today or last week, last month, or last five years. I think in the next five years, we're going to see jobs that we've never seen before. So what that means is the ability to be both adaptive and responsive. One of our core values at Digital Surgeons is adapt and respond. I firmly believe that the difference between the candidate pool today, I'll take an example. One of our clients that we advise, CEO of a tech company, they put an an, uh, open post out for a paid internship. In the first 24 hours, they received 500 applicants. So I ask you, the person listening to this call, if you're one of those applicants that applies for the 500 people, do you think that that startup founder cares what clubs that you subscribe to in high school? Do you think that they care about your GPA? Or do you think that they care about what do you understand and what are you going to add to their business that they need to succeed? What that requires is a level of introspection and self-awareness to really dig deeper. So I challenge anyone listening to this to really think about what are the things that the person that, what do they need and what are the three points of value that you can offer? If you can give three times before asking for anything in return, that's ultimately, I think, what's going to happen for people looking to succeed in digital media. As for opportunities, I think opportunities are everywhere. I think it just depends on the mindset that you look at. We're going to see a huge surge in businesses right now. Any business that uh, understands how to take people's time or save them time, we're going to see thrive. So naturally with COVID-19, we're seeing all these different shifts with companies that are focused on touchless technology or companies that are focused on new forms of emerging digital media. These are going to be the things that are taking people's time or saving people's time. So for young students to really leverage that and leverage the fact that they're coming and living in this digital economy, how can they pay attention to the behaviors that are right in front of them on TikTok, on these platforms, and actually do things with it? So that's some of the things I would sort of put out there as a rally cry to the future workforce that might be listening to this now or in the future. Yeah, a lot of stuff to, to definitely consider in that. So I appreciate that, Pete. Um, and Dave, I want to give you one chance. We do have to wrap up, but I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about um, your work with District. Uh, tell me how you made that happen. My understanding is you privately raised some money to make that happen, but you also leveraged some uh, some state incentives to make that happen. Just tell us quickly how you put that together and what it is that District actually does. So District is an early stage business campus. It, the purpose of District was really to bring to life something new in the state of Connecticut that would act as a an attractor for the businesses and the people and the type of industries that would move the state forward and to modernize uh, everything. So what we did, uh, long story short, because I know we don't have a lot of time, we acquired a former bus depot from the state of Connecticut, Department of Transportation. We uh, 
fought, we applied for and pitched this idea. Uh, we won unanimously because people really want to see the state move forward. I think there's a good opportunity for people, especially students right now, to, to, to be a part of something where you can move the needle, where you can make change, where you can be a part of something that's growing. Um, and the concept really is to have people from all walks of life, all parts of their careers, um, fighting in the same direction, fighting for community, fighting to uh, start their businesses or succeed at different stages, pre-seed, seed, series A stage. Um, for those of you that don't know what that means, it means from the from the from concept to uh, raising some capital, or getting actual, you know, going into revenue. Um, and do it in a way that created such a such an amenity rich, such a complementative environment that people would want to be there. And it's turned into the sort of the shining light in the state of Connecticut. Interesting parts about it is it acts as a digital media uh, uh, center. It is a it's very influential. Lots of people come there uh, to learn, work, and play. Uh, and I think that there's an abundance of opportunity right now for people to either start something or become part of something in the digital space. I think digital is everywhere. I think it's it's air now. It's a thread across everything. So you can go and work in, in Connecticut at Blue Sky Studios or um, – uh, or WWE, you can work for PricelineBooking.com or Kayak in the digital media space. You can work for some influencers that are huge, like uh, Dame Drops, who's uh, a tremendous influencer in social media, or Kyle Exum. You can start something on your own. Um, or you, I mean, the bioscience, digital media side of bioscience and life sciences, there's so much rich opportunity in Connecticut that's so diverse, there's so much intelligence, there's so many opportunities that I think uh, places like district are just basically uh, uh, pulling them together and giving them a central unit. Uh, as far as the background is, uh, of the money that we raised, um, the capital, uh, the property was a bus depot, it needed some uh, remediation and some demolition to be done prior for us to build. That money was funded by the state of Connecticut through a grant. Uh, and then we were able to raise private finance uh, uh, to the tune of about $17 million above and beyond uh, those dollars to, to actually execute the project. Today, it stands highly successful. It has a, an athletic club with, with uh, uh, hit classes, yoga, general fitness, barbell clubs, Olympic lifting clubs. We've got a, a restaurant, beer garden, amphitheater, a walking trail on the river. We've got co-working space for people that are just getting started uh, all the way through to private gym space, uh, private office spaces for large companies that are more towards the 50 to 100 person mark. We have the largest venture capital firm in Connecticut uh, just moved their headquarters into the building. And we have a software engineering school uh, called Holburton School, where we're training software engineers in a very different way out of uh, with a methodology that was started in, Sa in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. Wow, a lot of stuff happening at District in New Haven. So check that out. David, just quickly, um, tell us where students can go or where you recommend students to go resources for them to learn more about entrepreneurship or digital media. I think you can come to events that are hosted at places like District or any of the hubs in the major cities, um, obviously throughout any of the schools. Um, I think you have to dive in. One of the things that I did when early in my career when I found digital media was I just became so intrigued by it that I wanted to understand how the machines worked. I wanted to understand where the, 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 the money was going, where people were investing so that I could start to, uh, to, to, to create some 
patterns in my mind and figure out where I could fit in and, and where I, I might be able to be successful. I think it's important that you do research. I think it's important that you really uh, look beyond um, the, the job boards uh, to understand what's happening in the space. And I think if you do that and you do it with some vigor and some passion, uh, you will be successful. Um, be, there's, there's information everywhere you look if you're looking for it in the right, with the right passion and the right um, uh, mindset. So that's what I would say. Thanks, Dave. And Pete, just quickly, what are your thoughts, resources, or places students can learn more about uh, entrepreneurship or digital media? I think right now, uh, more than ever, LinkedIn is an incredible resource. So find some organizations or the people that are leading those organizations um, and connect with them. So I, I think anybody that's listening to this page, if you don't follow Dave Salinas right now on LinkedIn and you know send him a meaningful and personalized note as to why you want to connect with him, you know as Dave mentioned, he's a network engineer, right? So if anyone that's listening to this message doesn't hear it and go immediately connect with him or myself on LinkedIn, I think they're they're immediately saying to themselves in the world that they want to miss out on an opportunity. I think following uh, people like David, you can see he's posting a lot of content. Um, I think everyone that uh, you would ask in the state of Connecticut uh, would sort of look at Dave as being sort of a hero for uh, driving innovation and growth from both a business venture creation as well as just repping this state in a great way. You know, he started the the whole Connecticut comeback uh, sort of tour that's happening. And as he mentioned earlier, there's just so much opportunity here um, in our small state of Connecticut. So I think starting by following him, seeing the content he's posting, the people that are commenting on it, and then following them. Um, I always say follow the White Rabbit, which is sort of an Alice in Wonderland or Matrix reference for the nerds like myself out there. Um, dig in, you know, connect with people and just start following that content and contributing to that content. Something as simple as a like or a comment is an easy way to get discovered. And I think, as David mentioned, skip the job board, skip going on monster.com, indeed.com um, and looking for the jobs that are posted. Start finding the jobs that you want to create and that you want to be a part of. That's the way that I think business leaders and business owners today are looking for expanding their talent pool. Um, despite what you might read in the, the negative sensationalized media, there are a lot of jobs that are open out there. You know, We're hiring. I know Dave and his team are hiring on, on different companies. So get out there show where you can demonstrate value and keep learning and keep growing. And uh, thanks so much, David, for the time. Thanks so much, Dave Salinas and Pete Senna for your time. I really appreciate it. Take care, guys. Select CT is a podcast production of Digital Media CT in partnership with Quinnipiac University, the University of Connecticut, and the Connecticut Office of Film, Television, and Digital Media. Our producer is Justin Matley. Matt Werwood is our executive producer. 